Welcome to Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Friedman. Frankie joins me. Frank Ost. Frankie, how are you today? Um, well, and it's great to be here. Rock expert, all poised and ready for a new episode. You got it. Today in rock history, oh, by the way, Diana Ross and the Supremes will be our featured artist today. That's right. Today in rock history, October 23rd, 1978. CBS Records announced a price hike in their albums. Frankie, they're oh, going to start charging $8.98 I remember per. when they did that. It was unheard of. And guess what? Other labels would soon follow suit. Well, of course, yes. <laughs> 2001 Apple Computers announced their portable music player called the iPod. Hence, the birth of podcasts. Right, exactly. And uh, we're I think we're the only one, really. I don't think there are thousands and thousands of others. <laughs> Heck no. We're the only one. <laughs> Lou Rawls in 2005 gave his final live performance. He sang the national anthem at game two of the 05 World Series. Okay. That was between Chicago White Sox and the Houston Astros when Houston was in the National League. Gotcha. So it was a sweep, too. Mm-hmm. A White Sox sweep. Birthdays. Johnny Carson was born in 1925. Wow. He died in like 1996. I know. He's been gone for so long. It, it you know. Remember it's the time sad. he uh, he guested on uh, David Letterman? Yeah. And they switched places? Sure. That's cool. Sure. Soccer player Pele, he was just uh, he just passed away. Uh, he was born in the state in 1940, and Weird Al Yankovic turns 64 today. Oh, wow. Okay. Not a lot of birthdays, but they are the biggies. Nice. October 23rd, 1980, debuting on the Hot 100. We got five of them. And these are just the ones we know. There are some other ones which we don't know. Sure. Number one that week, by the way, was a song written and produced by Barry Gibb, Barbara Streisand's Woman in Love. Wow. It seems like every week we hit a Barbara Barbara Streisand Streisand record. (laughs) Celebration, Cool and the Gang, number one for two weeks. Started out at number 87 on the Hot 100. And what would a wedding nowadays be without Celebration. Every Woman in the World by Air Supply. That's Hit number right. five. Their third straight top five is where it would peak. Exactly. Started out at 84. Number 80, to do 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 da 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 by The Police. That's where I really started getting with The Police. Yeah, and that was kind of their first time that in the top ten, if I remember it, Yep, correctly. made it all the way to yeah. number ten. First of three straight top tens for The Police. <laughs>
Suddenly by Cliff Richard and Olivia from Xanadu. Xanadu, yes. That started out at number 79 and would peak at number 20. One Trick Pony would only peak at number 40, so it did crack, crack the top 40. Yeah, I know that was a big disappointment. There was a movie involved, yeah. and yeah, that was going to be big. Uh, Paul Simon's kind of multimedia thing yeah. that just was kind didn't, of cool didn't work. But then he did the, <laughs> the concert of at Central Park, which would uh, be in 1981. Of and course, that went at like five million and, people. You know, re- re- revisiting, of course, Simon and Garfunkel. You yeah, know. yeah. Guilty pleasures time, Frankie. You're going to go first. You have one that <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Are you serious? You don't know this. Okay. Positively go, serious. Go what, ahead. what do you have? I have, and the official name, I got to get it right here, is Hello Mudda, Hello Fada, A Letter from Camp by Alan Sherman. Hello Mudda. Hello, Fada. Here I am at Camp Granada. Camp is very entertaining. And they say we'll have some fun if it stops raining. I went hiking with Joe Spivey. He developed poison ivy. You remember Leonard Skinner. He got ptomaine poisoning last night after dinner. All the counselors hate the waiters And the lake has alligators And the head coach wants no sissies So he reads to us from something called Ulysses Now I don't want this should scare you But my bunkmate has malaria You remember Jeffrey Hardy they're about to organize a searching party. Take me home, oh Madafada, take me home. I hate Granada, don't leave me out in the forest where I might get eaten by a bear. Take me home. <laughs> the early 60s pre-British invasion were a different time. Want proof? Well, where else could an overweight Jewish comic from Chicago have the number two song in the country? It was 1963, and the hottest comedy-slash-novelty record in the land was this hilarious letter from camp put to the music from the ballet Dance of the Hours by Amilcare Poncielli. <laughs> the song was written with lyrics reflecting the views of a young camper. It goes on to describe unpleasant, dangerous, and even tragic developments happening while it rained nonstop with the camper begging to come home. Other than, of course, the sun comes out, kids are swimming, playing baseball, and it ends with the camper telling his parents to kindly disregard this letter. Sherman made the rounds of all the variety shows, even sporting a beanie with a propeller on it for maximum comedic effect. Such was the pop culture effect of this record that there was a board game. I know, I got it for Christmas. Even further, to this day, Dance of the Hours is used on commercials and TV shows as a musical shorthand for a funny situation. 
And if you want to know how it goes, it goes da 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 do 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 da da da. Oh, now I remember it. There you go. Okay. Okay, mine is Daisy Jane by American. And my sister said, why is it a guilty pleasure? And I do like that too. I know. I love that song. Fall of 75, which kind of holds special meaning to me. You know, you're one year done with high school. I was heading into sophomore year. Right. But it's right at the beginning when they say summer's gone and then hope she's feeling the same or whatever. What a great song. Just a, a tremendous song. It only made it into the uh, top 20. It hit number 20. I thought it right, did better right. than that in the fall of that year. It was their final top 20 hit until you can do magic. Produced by, you know, it's Oh, funny. that's right. I remember that little comeback they had. Remember yeah. they had Daisy Jane before that sure. was number one, Sister Golden Hair. And before yeah. that was um, Lonely People. Just some huge Tin hits. Man. It's hard to explain to people that America was on such a roll They there. were. <laughs> if you don't have it, I would highly suggest you get your hands on America history, America's greatest hits. Yeah, and they're, and they're all on there. You, you will, know, just about anything that was any good You will thoroughly enjoy it, even Muskrat Love. <laughs> Maybe. Produced by George Martin. Yes. You know, he played piano on Daisy Jane, which begins the song. I did not realize that. I didn't know he was an actual musician. He wanted, me too. He wanted to get a crack at at America. You know, they started out in England. Their fathers were all based in England. I think they were in the Air Force. Okay. And so So that's that's where they got together. Yeah. And America kind of slowed down after that. They had Today's the Day in 1976. And then nothing, really. They did some touring. Yeah, they and fell stuff. off the they fell off the world. At at one time, they were as big as anybody. They would sell out two nights at Blossom, mm-hmm. and they were just huge. And then again, they just disappeared. Oof. Still hear Daisy Jane on the radio, maybe the soft rock stations. Sure, yeah, but I love it. I, I think it's just a wonderful song. Absolutely. One Hit Wonder Time, Frankie, It's Sunny by Bobby Hebb with two B's in the last name, three B's in the first name. That's right. That's a yes. lot of B's. He had a lot of B's going For there. a three-syllable <laughs> first and last name. Sunny was released in 1966. You know, we're kind of expanding our scope a little bit. Sunny. Yesterday my life was filled with rain. 
sunny You smiled at me and really eased the pain Now the dark days are done and the bright days are here My sunny one shines so sincere Sunny one so true, I love you Sunny, thank you for the sunshine you gave Sunny, thank you for the love you brought my way You gave to me your all in all And now I feel ten feet tall Sunny, one so true, I love you me see sunny thank you for the facts from A to Z my life was torn like windblown sand then a rock was formed when we held in sunny one so true I love you became a number two hit they he toured with the beatles that year yeah and you know i, th- I think of that song and i always think it was done by somebody really popular you no, know because yeah. it's one of those songs that just sounds like it was in somebody's catalog but yeah no bobby Hebb. bobby Hebb, <laughs> the r&b singer songwriter multi-instrumentalist was born in 1938 and passed away in 2010 okay. his parents get this frankie were both blind musicians oh my god he wasn't that's interesting so you know he appeared as a featured artist at the Grand Ole Opry at age 12. Oh, my God. So he was kind of in the country side of things. Right. Sure. In 1966, in the fall, the follow-up song, A Satisfied Mind, cracked the top 40, but just barely, peaking at number 39. Uh, That's Bobby Hebb and Sonny, this week's One Hit Wonder. he took his five Bs and went home. Time for a little-known recording artist, big contribution. Little dot, dot, dot in the middle. Frank Campbell, let you go. It's uh, Howie Casey. Tell me all about it. <laughs> this is what we mean by this. You know, by the time I get done with our little segment, you'll know all about Howie know. Casey and what kind of um, effect he had. Now, 86 years old, Howie was born in England. Not not Harry Wayne Casey of Casey and the Sunshine Band. Okay. I'm talking about him. But Howie was born in England, started out in 1958, and became a sought-after session musician saxophonist his work can be heard on wings albums band on the run oh you know jet sure wings at the speed of sound so we love songs let them in and one of our our favorites back to the egg he played on arrow through me absolutely yeah i remember that
toured with the band on their 66th show, Wings Over America Tour in 1976. That I didn't know. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Started out working with Tony Visconti, you know, Bowie and many others. It was Tony who suggested he work with Paul McCartney. And later on in the 80s, Howie played sax on the ABC hit song, When Smokey Sings. Nice. That was out in 1987. Howie Casey, what a career he had. That's great stuff. Can you imagine the stamina it must have taken to be on a 66-date tour Yeah, <laughs> with wings? Now, they're in an airplane, so they right, were right. by bus. But still. Yeah, they were going first class, yeah. no doubt about that's that. A lot of, that's a lot of energy you need. It is. And they had, you know, as I remember, the wings tunes. They had a lot of, that had, like, listen what the man said. That was one with a big sax break. Yeah. yeah. So that's Howie Casey. Next week, you're going to have one for us. And our little-known recording artist... Big contribution. You got it. It's cover versus cover time. Frankie, can we still be friends? Todd Rundgren did the original. And like a year later, Robert Palmer. Exactly. Still here on Yacht Rock Radio. Yeah, that's right.
you like better? Uh, Robert Palmer would easily fit inside my top ten lead singers of all time. And although Todd's voice can be pleasant, he wouldn't be anywhere near my top ten. And so you're probably thinking that Robert would have a lock on this battle. But not so fast, because this is rock and roll, and it's far more important what voice fits the song rather than pure ability. Todd's 1978 version is beloved by early fans like myself because it was one of the last songs he ever did that sounded totally, would be a totally at home at something, anything, or mm-hmm. a wizard, a true star. In fact, this was the last of his solo songs to hit the top 40. His voice is perfect on this one, that aching sound that really sounds like a lover trying desperately to hang on to something out of a crumbling relationship. And with the piano and synthesizer tastefully done in the background, the feel is almost ethereal. Robert Palmer, on the other hand, has one of the coolest voices in rock. And sorry, for me it just doesn't work on this song. He never sells you on the story or the pain of the breakup. In fact, he sounds a bit like a tribute band. By that I mean he sings all the right notes, the instrumentation is impeccable, and he looks great singing it. But he doesn't bring anything new to the song, doesn't transform it, or take it to another level. And so, but this time by a wide margin, I'll go with songwriter Todd's take on this song. Yeah, (laughs) from Herman of Mink Hollow. Yeah. You know, Todd played all the instruments, sang all the parts, wrote and produced it, and you can hear the pain coming through his voice in that song, Can We Still Be Friends? It's time for least favorite cut or cuts from our favorite albums. Absolutely, yes. You have one and I have one, and you have one from... Emerson, Lake, and Palmer from Brain Salad Surgery. It's Benny the Bouncer. <laughs> now, <laughs> I know Benny it, the Jets. Yeah. Um, I know it seems impossible to non-fans, but with Brain Salad Surgery, ELP had finally made a great rock album, starting with Blake's Jerusalem, Janistera's Takata, and the beautiful ballad, Still You Turn Me On, and finally the incredible three-part Carnival Number no. 9, our boys had finally made hard, high art that still rocked like crazy. But stuck in the middle of side one is this 2 minute 21 silly track. <laughs> Just enough to break up the flow of the entire album. It's a little barroom song with Emerson blasting away at, the f- at a funny kind of sounds like player piano. And Lake doing his, I don't know, is that supposed to be a beer hall Wild West voice? Well, you get the idea. And while I know that they probably included it to break up the seriousness of the proceedings, there's really truly no need for that. Add to that the fact that they had done a song similar to it on their prior two studio albums. See Jeremy Bender from Tarkus and The Sheriff from Trilogy. And there was nobody, not even ELP fanatics, who needed this song. The only positive note is that it was so short, I would just turn down the stereo, wait for it to be over, and then blast it again for Carnival number nine, mm-hmm. saving my vinyl in the process. <laughs> and your needle. And your ears. Exactly. You know, it's funny. Uh, that's one of the best albums. 
Yeah. Uh, it's one of your favorites. One of my favorites. And Classic. there it is, stuck in there, and it just it's just like a little thorn in my side. At least it's only, what, two minutes? 221, <laughs> so, so at least it gets over with quick. So mine didn't get over with real quick. Gemini Dream from Long Distance Voyager, sure. the Moody Blues. I'm wondering, what happened to, where's the Mellotron? Where's that, the London And Symphony that was a big Orchestra? hit, too. I know, yeah, a huge yeah. hit. Frankie was number 12 in the U.S., the first of three singles from that album. Now, I really like... The voice, meanwhile, is great. Talking out of turn. Mm-hmm. But Gemini Dream from the 1981 album just goes on and on and on. I'm like, what? I don't like this song. It's just me. A lot of people did. It yeah. went up to oh, number yeah. 12. But I'm like, where's the symphony? Where's the orchestra? Where's Isn't Life Stray? A, 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 A. Yeah, it sounded a little bit too. Like. Uh, um, rock produced. Obvious. Yeah, uh, yeah. obviously going for a hit record you know yeah I mean, it that's sounded like they were trying a little it, too hard yeah that's and what it sounded those like, other yeah. songs meanwhile talking out to turn the voice many others on long distant voyager that's another album if you don't have it i highly suggest you download the favorite cuts or just buy the whole thing right exactly a couple and, more and next just week kind of again. avoid gemini <laughs> yeah just kind of if you're downloading the album then you just don't have to download that one exactly you can get your little uh mini tribute going of the moody blues yeah nowadays you don't have to you have them all. <laughs> yeah, they used to be not too long ago either, late late 90s, early 2000s, before we started downloading legally. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I would say, I, I need just one song, I got to buy the whole CD. Right. So right. off to Best Buy I would go, or any of the bookstores, sometimes you'd say, oh, there it is. Uh, got to buy all these others. Once in a I while you, you find a little nugget in there, though. That's why we have our download discovery. Of course. By the way, we're bringing that back. Good. Pretty soon. Download Discovery Good. with a twist. That means songs that we know and really like. We don't think anybody else knows it. Exactly. Doesn't mean they'll like it, but... <laughs> <laughs> Two more next week. Frankie, time for Did the Grammys Get It Right? Last week, you got it wrong. I certainly did. Last week was... <laughs> record of the year for 72 was Roberta Flack's well, I feel like, uh, what was it? Oh, it was the uh, first time first ever time. I saw right. your face. You guessed yeah. American Pie and you yeah. guessed wrong. I certainly did. Did the Grammys get it right the next year, 1973? The show, of course, aired in 1974. Okay. Nominees in alphabetical order Jim Croce, Bad Bad Leroy Brown, mm-hmm. Behind Closed Doors, Silver Fox, Charlie Rich, mm-hmm. Killing Me Softly, Roberta Flack again. again. You Are the Sunshine of My Life. <laughs> what a great song. Stevie Wonder. You're so vain, Carly Simon. Still another great song. Right. Which right. one do you think won? Ah, let's see. I got to do elimination here. I'm going to say they wouldn't go for Bad Bad Leroy Brown. I even though Jim had just passed away. Kind of a silly song. Uh, even though I like Jim Croce, it was never one of my favorites. Uh, Behind Closed Doors, Two Country. Yeah. Um, God, the last three. Any mm. of those could have had it. Mm-hmm. Would they go with Roberta Flack twice? I say nay. I'm going to go with the guy who won everything. Stevie Wonder, you are the sunshine of my life. Which was his like second number one after exactly. Superstition. Yes, yes. No, it's Roberta Flack. Again, they they fooled me. I <laughs> I said they wouldn't possibly do it twice in a row. Two in a row. It's not like Roberta Flack was that big of a deal. I mean, she was then. I guess, but boy, what a wonderful song that is killing me softly with his oh, song. It's good. It's a good tune. Yeah. But. I think Isn't the, that something? That I don't they, know. That she had two record of the years consecutively. In a row, yeah. Now, this go, goes to the producer, of course. That's unbelievable. But, you know, Roberta Flack apparently heard this song written for Don McLean, apparently. Someone saw him on stage performing uh, the song. 
a song. And so someone, I forget who it was, recorded it, and she heard it on an airplane flying back home or something, <laughs> killing me softly. And she said, you I know never what? heard that Kind of like Richard Carpenter would, when he saw the commercial for the bank, We've Only Just Begun. And he said, you know what? That would be a great song for us. I'm going to rework it as soon as I get back to the recording studio. And it was another quiet song. Another quiet song. Yeah. Number one for Roberta Flack and Did the Grammys Get It Right? But you're right about Charlie Rich. The Silver Fox, it's two country. Two country. And like I said, with uh, I, I didn't see Leroy Brown because... That just didn't sound like one they'd pick, but I mean, they love Stevie Wonder. Oh, I had yeah. to go that way. And he, won a, <laughs> he won a boatload of Grammys in the 70s, he too. He sure did. I, he probably won Album of the Year that year. So. But I'm surprised maybe Time in a Bottle didn't uh, get the nomination instead of Bad Bad. Yeah, that would have been more appropriate, I think. So yes. next week, did the Grammys get it right? We'll do Record of the Year. 1974. Ooh, my be? favorite year. We'll see if Frankie can end, end the losing streak. I wonder if Roberta Flack well, will be nominated again. If she is, I'm guessing her. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the song is. The song, I'm guessing it. The song can be Feel Like Making Love, and we'll see if it's on that list of nominees. Ooh, nice. That's next week. And Frankie's going to answer three questions next. Nice. Drumming my pain with his fingers. Singing my life with his words. Killing me softly with his song, killing me softly with his song, telling my whole life with his words, killing me softly with his Ready to answer three questions? I am. Best year I in rock am. countdown. We're in the top yes, five last week. We was, are. What was it, 1970? 1970. We had a bunch that were great albums. Yes. I thought that you'd have a hard time coming up with four, not to mention number three, two, and one. And believe it or not. Okay. Who's your, <laughs> who's your number four? Number what? four is 1976.
And as I always do, I check in with the Beatles. What were they at, do, up to? That um, was Wings, The Speed of Sound, and Wings Over America for Paul. And George had maybe his best since All Things Must Pass, 33 and a third. A Night in the Town by Rod Stewart. Hasten Down the Wind by Linda. Um, Children of the World was kind of a big one for the Bee Gees. Yeah, sure it was. Night Moves. Of course, the big uh, uh, breakout, breakout for Bob Seger. Agents of Fortune, we've talked about that one for Blue Oyster Cult. The Royal Scam, one that you and I both love. Um, Chicago 10. Rocks by Aerosmith. Faithful by Todd. Soap Degrees <laughs> <laughs> by Boz Gags. Desire by Dylan was a lot better than what he came out with in 1970. Yeah. Station to Station by David Bowie. Run with the Pack, Bad Company. A Trick of the Tail, Genesis. Now they were down to three folk. Um, a Jailbreak by Thin Lizzy. Breezin', of course, we've talked about that by George Benson. Mm-hmm. A New World Record and Year of the Cat, two of your favorites. Um, yeah. And the largest selling record, uh, greatest hits record of all time, The Eagles, their greatest hits, yeah. 1971 still is number one. That and Thriller Yeah, still the best. Exactly. Best now, but it was the year of the live album, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Of course, I already mentioned Wings Over America. Frampton Comes Alive, Live Bullet, You Can't Argue with a Sick Mind by Joe Walsh, Blow Your Face Out, that's Jay Giles, yeah. Johnny Winter Captured Live, Here and There by Elton, Greatest mm. Stories Live, Harry Chapin. Oh, that's a good one. One More From the Road by Leonard Skinner, Hard Rain by Dylan, All the World's a Stage by Rush, The Song Remains the Same by Led Zeppelin, and then Wipe the Oil Check the oil, wipe the windows, check the oil, dollar gas by Almond Brothers. I mean, can just, <laughs> and that's just a few. There are more. Yeah. Um, throw that all on the hopper and you get the number four <laughs> year of rock. Well, Frankie is the rock expert. He's going to come up with, with number three next week. I wonder what it'll be. Yes. Well, uh, there's only three years left, so it's got yeah. <laughs> to be one of them. Do you, Can you give us a refresher of I, what three are left? I can. Uh, it is in order, 1971, 1973, and 1975. 71, 73, and 75. They were three great years, and order i was going to have them in but i knew that those were the three i came up with that real quick you got 71 73 and 75 left Yeah, and which would you pick (laughs) put it in your magic eight ball and see if you come up with what our rock expert does exactly question number two the best album of 1978 and there were a bunch of them there were some great ones um two that spring to mind that got played all year city to city by jerry rafferty and of course you couldn't get away from saturday night fever but my number one was the one that I played on my turntable the most, Some Girls by the Rolling Stones. Kind of a comeback for them after a few disappointments. Good album.
All right, question number three. Best song by the Supremes. Right, and the ones I love the most are You Can't Hurry Love. That's just a perfect girl group song. You Keep Me Hanging On, which was, uh, you know, that's the one we did, uh, the, the cover versus mm-hmm. cover. But my favorite is kind of one of the, one that I don't think of as much, but it's kind of got a little bit of uh, heartache in it, Love Child. I always loved that, and that was my favorite, Diana Ross yeah. and the Supremes. I song. like that song. It's a good Something tells me the rock expert would not have a disco song. It was hard enough for me to include Saturday Night Fever. (laughs) So Bee Gees, uh, Spirits Having Flown, Need Not Apply. Need Not Apply. And our uh, our best uh, song by our next featured artist. How did it go? How did it go? Tragedy. Tragedy. Oh, God, that was awful. Awful record. Went to number one like the second week yeah. out or something. Too much heaven, too. <laughs> too I like love and love you inside out. That was cool. That was summertime. <laughs> Featured artist time Frankie. It's Diana Ross and the Supremes. I was uh, never really been a big Diana Ross fan, but I sure love their music. Oh, absolutely, and. Uh... Yeah, no, I had to say it right off. I really liked the Diana Ross and the Supreme stuff a lot more than I did the later Diana Ross stuff. Yeah. You know, it just was, it was just so beautifully done and so beautifully wrong. I need love, love, to ease my mind. I need to find, find someone to call mine. But Mama said, okay, hurry. 
mostly it was because of Holland Dozier Holland writing exactly. all those songs. Yep. 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 Once they stopped writing, the hits kind of tailed off. Exactly. Diana moved on, <laughs> but the Supremes still had a big hit on their own called Stoned Love. That's right. I, I almost forgot that. You know, they started putting out songs in August of 1962. Isn't that impossible to even think of? Yeah, 62. With the song, Your Heart Belongs to Me. They were recording, you know, like before the Beatles before were, the Beatles. even over in Britain. Yeah. yeah. Then another three or four releases between then and the summer of 64, never peaking any higher than 23. You know, they had songs that barely cracked the Hot 100 sure. in, that, in Absolutely. that period. Yeah. Then five straight number ones. Isn't that something? Holland Dozier, Holland started writing songs. Where Did Our Love Go? Baby mm. Love. Come See About Me. Stop in the Name of Love. Back in my
and none of them lasted six, eight, ten weeks on the charts, but they were all one week, two, three weeks, four weeks. Right, right, yeah. And you would hear them for a few months as they made their way up yeah, and then the back chart. down, yeah. And they were getting great airplay, even on Wixie, because oh, Larry Morrow ab- brought that Motown sound with him from absolutely Detroit. Absolutely they did. Then four straight top tens, including My World is Empty Without You. Mm. These songs all sound different. They all have Diana Ross's distinctive voice, for sure. these up in your mind we play a lot of them on oh, the show too. Ab- absolutely then after that another four in a row 
<laughs> you can't hurry, love. You keep me hanging on. Love is here and now you're gone. And The Happening. Uh, and The Happening, it's like it's almost a throwaway song. Yeah. And it was number one. And it's just like, for anyone else, that's a throwaway song. That was number one. <laughs> that came from the movie starring Anthony Quinn. Ooh. What a great Hollywood name. Yeah. Gregory Peck. Anthony, Anthony Quinn. Anthony Quinn. He Rock was, Hudson. He did all the Greek movies. Yeah, Zorba the yeah, Greek. Yeah, Zorba the Greek. Yeah. After that, a couple of number ones, including Love Child. Yeah. 1968. Yep. And finally, Someday We'll Be Together in 1970, which featured a young Johnny Bristol on vocals. Ooh. He produced it and co-wrote the song. Does Howland Dozier Howland. It was the case with some artists and songwriters. They had a falling out with Barry Gordy at Motown uh. and decided to move on. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, that was always a problem with everyone in royalties and control. (laughs) You know, Motown called the shots. Yeah, they did. They did. Uh, So then, you know, Johnny Bristol had that song a few years later, Hanging in Their Baby. That's right, yes. But with the departure of that wonderful songwriting trio in 1968, the songs kind of lacked that oomph, Mm -hmm, didn't they? mm -hmm. By then, Diana was venturing out on her own, having great success with Ain't No Mountain High Enough, which... In the fall of 1970, it was number one That's for right. three yes, weeks. Absolutely. She was a favorite of Barry Gordy. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of helped uh, bring in Michael Jackson and the Jackson Five, which also ruffled, ruffled some feathers like Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder, people like that. They were, okay, what's, um, why is the Jackson Five getting all this run? Getting all the, the, the publicity. Well, what why about they us? have four number one records? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. 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 Uh, Touch Me in the Morning, that was a solo hit for her in the summer of 73, number one. Mm -hmm. Other number ones, Theme from Mahogany. Yes. Love Hangover, which I really like. Yeah, Love Hangover is a 
a good disco song. How, how does yeah, that? Yeah. down which i really don't like yeah i remember that one yeah. that was towards the end of the 70s all right? number one yeah mm-hmm. all number ones she had that huge number one with lionel richie which lasted for an astounding nine weeks oh yes yes endless love and it was endlessly on the charts oh, too <laughs> but like barbara streisand she teamed up with some of the biggest recording sure. artists of her time and, and who lionel wouldn't richie. want to team up with yeah. her i mean geez it's almost a guaranteed hit hit she also had um Supremes also did several more top 40s. They had Stone Love, which we spoke mm-hmm, of. Sure. Floyd Joy and River Deep Mountain High, which I remember. I don't remember Floyd Joy. Right. I don't River either. Deep Mountain High, I do remember. Yeah, everybody Ross. took a crack at River Deep Mountain River High. High. Yes, yeah. that's... Diana Ross, Kennedy Center honoree in 2007. Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, not once, but twice. Wow. 2012. I wonder, wonder why twice. 2023, probably because with the Supremes. Oh, maybe, yeah. And without yeah. Yeah. Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2016. That would have been during Barack Obama's reign. Okay. <laughs> Medal of Trump's. Freedom. Wow. Uh, she's going to be 80 years old oh, that's, in March that's, next year. It's But, yeah, she'd have to be. I mean, they started making records in 62. I know. Yeah, she'd have to be 80. Of course. Yeah. She was probably 19 or 20 when they first started. Isn't yeah. Frankie Valli, who also started making music in 61, oh, too? Yeah, he's yeah, a yeah, yeah. to 90. Exactly. At 15, she joined the Primettes, the sister group of the male vocal group, the Primes. Mm. They featured Eddie Kendricks and Paul Williams, soon to be of the Temptations. Yeah, I was going to say Eddie Kendricks, sure. You know, she grew up, Diana did, on the same street as Smokey Robinson. No, was that Detroit? Yes. Oh, my God. Just think of all the talent. Now, you and I grew up on the same street, but... Well, and that's one of the things that, you know, goes down in history, too. Yeah, We're it... right up there with Smokey and Diane. <laughs> Imagine if there were, like, musicians like that, but I, since we had the hospital, right, 
on our street. Maybe that's where the musicians would have been had there been houses. Could, could have been. Have been. And of course, yeah. we had Kevin McMahon. Yes. Who is legendary. Guess, yeah, legendary musician. That's right. He was. Yes. Was, yeah. He had a group and everything. The Supremes, Florence Ballard, Mary Wilson, Betty McGlown, were the original members with Diana Ross. Barbara Martin replaced McGlown in 1960, and they were oh. on their way. It's funny, like, uh, you know, Pete Best or Stuart Sutcliffe or somebody. Uh, Martin left the group in 62, leaving the trio to record their biggest hits. Yeah, and I remember Florence Ballard. I, I yeah. always remember that name, yeah. Now, she had trouble with alcohol and stuff like that, so oh. she was replaced by Cindy Birdsong in 1967. Oh, jeez. When Ross left for the solo career, the Supremes replaced her with Jean Terrell. Okay. So, Stoned Love came the out. famous Jean Terrell. Jean Terrell. Yes. <laughs> so, that's Diana Ross and the Supremes, our featured artist this week. Next week is Genesis. Oh. New look at Genesis. We love Genesis. And we're going to bring back <laughs> Who Should Get In pretty soon. Gotcha. Will Phil Collins make the list for nominees we want to see? Yeah, absolutely. Lionel Richie's in. So, right. Phil Collins, I think, should get some run, don't you think? Absolutely. I put I would put him there with, you know, Sting. Definitely, yeah. We'll have a whole list of nominees yeah, that we think should get in in our soon-to-be two-should-get-in uh, segment because it won't be long until they announce the 2024 Rock Hall nominees for the, the new class. Oh, yeah. right We're already getting close. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, the Rock Hall no- uh, induction ceremonies take place in Brooklyn at Barclays Center uh, right after the first of the month in November. Thanks for joining me, Frankie. Thanks for having me. This is Tim Friedman, 70s Rock Conversations. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.